season that we're going into right now, this season, these 40 days leading up to Easter, I really think that this could be the best Easter ever. I think it's going to be for me and my family, and I think it is going to be for our church. And so some of the things that we talked about that Josh mentioned during announcements, um, I just want, I want to encourage you guys to really jump in. So next week, let me uh, frame our, our spring festival. So this is not just to have 10,000 eggs for kids. It's for kids to experience God in the context of a spiritual community. Um, and when families and kids come, uh, it's a space for them to be loved and experience the hands and feet of Jesus in this world today. And so we want to serve them. We want to love them. And that means that we need you. And actually, we need everybody on deck for this thing. So we're talking, it's a two and a half hour spot. And we need tons of people just whether you're going to help with games or scatter eggs. Well, there's no egg hunt. Okay, just so you know, it's there's actually an egg scattering, and they find it like they, you don't really hide 10,000 eggs, right? You just <laughs> kind of put them across the floor, and kids pick them up. So it's not a hide thing, but we do need like, we, I, we need a whole team just to scatter eggs, because we have like eight um, hu egg hunts right in it, one after another after another for like two hours straight, according to ages, right? So we just need a whole bunch of help. So next Sunday, if you could just be on deck... That would be amazing. And then also, that next Friday, so one week from this coming Friday, um, we're going to have these, um, these interactive stations for you to walk through. Uh, the total amount of time, it's going to take 25, 30 minutes maybe for you to go through. But it's a way for you to experience the story of Easter, the story of resurrection, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so try to make plans for that. It's going to be really good. We have a team putting this together. Uh, it's a self-guided tour. You walk in, you get paperwork, and it's self-guided. It's, it's going to be really fun. It's very experiential. It's very hands-on. So I want to encourage you to, um, to jump into that and then eat with our barbecue. It's going to be a good family time for our church, uh, a season of us being together as a family. So um, today I want to talk about part five of this series and it's called No Leaping Alone. And today we're going to specifically talk about this issue of baptism in our lives and what does that look like. And so the series, we've been learning to take little leaps of faith through this season, these 40 days leading up to Easter. So that 40-day period before Easter, it's used to prepare our hearts and lives for baptism and experiencing the resurrection of Jesus. So we have five practices to help you meet God at the edge of your comfort zone. And we've been talking about this every week over the last five weeks now. But um, if you haven't jumped into this, so some of you are like, well, I filled it out on week two, but I haven't really done much with it. I kind of forgot. Um, well, guess what? Pick it up today. There's one in your bulletin, in your communicator. Fill it out today and start going through. So the first thing is the big personal ask. We're saying, God, we want one thing. We want you to break through in this one area in our lives. It could be a need or a want that's kind of bubbling up, and you're saying, I want to just jump in. I want to pray for this thing for the next two weeks straight, just once a day, every day. Not compulsively, not all day, just once a day. 
leading all the way up to Easter. So that's your big personal ask. And how many people, as you've started praying, you already saw God break through with your big personal ask? Any answers to prayer yet? One, two, three, yep. Oh, yep, good. So here's what you do. As soon as God answers it, then you pick up a new one. And you just keep going and say, God, here's, you already broke through here. I would love, here's this one now. Okay? Um, I, I've been trying not to say what my stuff is, but I've been praying that our house would sell in Baton Rouge. And guess, this is crazy. I'm no joke. We've had more people tour our home in the last two weeks than we had the whole set eight months before that. Right, Kate? Yeah. We're like, another showing! Yes! <laughs> and you know what that is? It's just like, God saying, you're doing a good job. Keep going. Yay. And now we're praying for that. There's a contract, but, um, but that's my big personal ask. I'm praying that our house would sell and us get fully situated. Two, give something up for uh, this season leading up to Easter. And when you give something up, we're not talking about fasting food or something like that. We're talking about what if you gave up your judgmental attitude or that condemning tone as you talk to your kids or Pick something out and say, I want to give this up all the way till Easter. Number three, identify and pray for your three. John, what are your three? Three people that you've identified that you are praying for on a regular basis and you're starting to say, God, would you show up in their lives and you start to do some good things for them, which is actually part four, which is blow some money or kindness on one of your three. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, it's really fun. And just blow some money or kindness on one of those three as you're praying for your three. I want you to know that one of my three was uh, a clerk in a store, and I have not been able to connect with them because they're not there. I don't know if they quit or what happened. And so I'm picking a new third person today. Uh, and so, so, like I said, this is kind of, a li- sometimes this is fluid, and we just have to go with what's in front of us. And so... I have two people, now I'm, I'm adding a third one today, and I'm still trying to figure out who that's going to be. It could be one of you, <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, but the, the three aren't part of our, necessarily our church family, okay? These are people that you might not know with their spiritual life. You might not know where they are. You, um, you, maybe they're a coworker or a friend or a literal neighbor that lives next to you, and you're saying, God, I pour your spirit out, do something really unique in their life. So blow some money or kindness on one of your three. And the last one is experiment with a daily devotional where you can connect with God um, uh, through, your, through a regular time each day leading up to Easter. So we're not just doing these exercises just leading up to Easter, but actually we're, I'm trying to jumpstart some lifelong practices in our lives, okay? So that's really what's behind this stuff. So, William Barker, he was a machinist at Ford Motor Company in Detroit. He became a Christian, and he got baptized. The day after his baptism, he went to Ford Motor Company, where he worked for the last 20-plus years, and he desired to set right all of his wrongs that he had done at his work. And so he brought a pile of stolen parts and tools back to Ford Motor Company. And he went to his foreman and asked for forgiveness as all these tools, like, 
at the time, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars in tools. In today's money, it would have been thousands upon thousands of dollars of these tools sitting in front of his foreman. And he asked for the foreman's forgiveness. Well, William's boss, this foreman, called Henry Ford and gave him all the details of the whole scenario. And then he said, do you think we should fire this guy? Shouldn't we fire him? We should really fire him. Look at all this stuff he's stolen over all these years. We need to set an example to this man and the rest of the company. And Henry Ford responded, no way. Dam up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city. (laughs) Guess what baptism does? It sets this pace for every other leap of faith that we will take in our whole lives. It sets the pattern for every other leap of faith. Um, and I know that when we're talking about baptism, people are like, well, I was baptized as, a, as an infant, or I was baptized as a youth, and it didn't mean much, or this. You know what I want to encourage you to do? What is the Spirit of God doing in your life right now? So I was baptized um, as an infant, and then when I was a student, I said, I want to get baptized. And then I got baptized, and it was like at this camp setting. And then I went home and told my parents I got baptized, and they're like, what have you done? And they were Christians, but they wanted me to do it in the context of our family. So then I got baptized again that summer (laughs) with the family. And um, so the real question is, what is the Holy Spirit doing with you? So there's three aspects of baptism in Matthew 3, starting in verse 1. If you've got your Bibles turned there, this is going to be our main text. In those days, John the Baptist, the immerser, came to the Judean wilderness and began began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. Uh, For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and all Judea and all over the Jordan went out to see John and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Verse 11. So we're going to skip down a little ways. In verse 11, John says, John the Baptist is saying, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater, I'm not worthy to even be his slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So at this time, previous to John the Baptist, Uh, Israel as a nation was not experiencing much of God. There's more of an absence of God than the presence of God in Israel. God's biggest biggest promises to the nation of Israel are unfulfilled. Israel's still kind of in an exile. They're in their homeland, but um, the, the Romans are overseeing their land. They're occupied by the Romans. God is not in charge, and there is deep distress over this. And baptism was a prophetic sign. So let's look at Isaiah 40, verse 3. Listen, 
It's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. So think of it this way. Think of a police motorcade that's coming through town. And as this police motorcade is coming through town, um, you, you notice first there's, there's uh, uh, somebody on a motorcycle and there's some blue lights and, and everybody starts to kind of move to the edge of the, the, the road. And before you know it, there's, there's another car that's coming down, this black car. Um, and, and everybody's standing to the sides and they're, they're aware that something big is going to happen. And people scurry to the sides of the roads. And then it happens. The king, who's been away for a long time, is coming back at last. We all know it. There's two large black cars. They come. They're filled with bodyguards and officials. And then the big car with a flag at the front containing the king himself. By this time, the road's clear. Everybody's standing still, watching, waving their flags. They're all celebrating. Now take this back 2,000 years and into a hot, dusty, dry desert. And the king has been away a long time. And word gets out that the king is coming back at last. But how? There isn't even a road. Well, we better get one, right? And so they go off shouting, the king's coming, make a road and make it good and smooth. John's saying, get ready. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God's visiting. The rule and reign of God is finally coming. What what we've longed for as a nation for all these years, it's finally going to happen. John's saying, get ready. God is going to come back to his people. Turn and get ready for his homecoming. Now notice, this whole thing is about God coming to us. And I love that. Instead... So, so much of this is for, we always think, well, we have to go to God. You know, God first comes to us. It's about God breaking into this world, coming to be a part of our lives. God coming to this earth. earth. So in Matthew 3, the main text that we read earlier, there's three images. There's water, there's spirit, this wind and breath, and there's fire. So here's that verse again. I immersed you with water, this is John the Baptist, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize, he'll immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So picture it this way. God joins us by taking us through a passageway. Just like Israel was taken through the Red Sea, out of, on their way out of Egypt, God takes us through a passageway. And baptism is our passing through water, spirit, and fire in a great homecoming transition. So the first one of those is water. And water is associated with cleansing, right? Most basic part, you you have dirty hands, you go wash your hands. Your kids are dirty, you send them to take a bath. Um, To live is to accumulate regrets. And regrets are tied to the wrongs that we've done and the wrongs done to us. So a church installed their ba- brand new baptismal uh, as an extended part of their uh, remodeling project, and 
a builder inspector came to check out the baptismal to sign off on everything. And the building inspector said, I can't approve this project um, unless the baptismal tank has a a separate septic tank. And the governing board said, well, why? Why would you need a separate septic tank for the baptismal tank of of water? We don't don't understand that. And the building's instructor, he saw their kind of puzzled faces, and finally he said, well, it's to avoid ground pollution. And the governing board members are all looking at each other, and they're like, what? And finally, one of the governing board members looks at the other governing board members, and he looks at the inspector and says, with a grin on his face, I guess it would pollute with all those sins being washed away. (laughs) Now, baptism does not, it symbolizes the washing, okay? Baptism does not take away our sins. I want to be very clear about that. But it does symbolize what Jesus has done in our lives and hearts. And it symbolized that washing of our, of just everything that the world's oozed on us and gotten us all sticky and slimy. It just symbolizes God just restoring us and washing us. What if all of our regrets, mistakes, and sins could just be washed away? And washing is that signifying, is signified in baptism itself. So water's just the beginning, guys. The Messiah was also baptized with us with spirit and fire. So spirit, this wind breath, is a sign of intimacy with God. God is spirit and comes to us in spirit. Ezekiel used the image of water spirit to speak of God renewing our hearts and restored with restored intimacy. God beckons us to dip in this spirit and plunge our lives into the swimming pool of divine love. Uh, D.L. Moody referred to God's spirit moving in him. He would refer to it quite often as liquid waves of love just washing through him. Liquid waves of love. So we have this water, we have spirit, this wind and breath, and then we have fire. And the fire is associated with two things. One, it's purification, like precious gold under intense heat that it's going to separate lesser materials and we see that in malachi 3 but it also signifies all the way through scripture suffering and to go through fire in the bible is to suffer all of life involves suffering you do, if you don't live we don't live or love if we're not willing to suffer so baptism is this homecoming passage through water through spirit and through fire. Now, human beings are desire-driven beings, aren't we? Our deepest desire is for God to be connected and restored and living in deep intimacy and harmony with God. And I want you to know that all other desires, from all the cravings and longings, from the deepest, darkest addictions to the healthiest of longings, are all but a shadow of this deepest longing in our lives. And I don't know if you've thought about what your life and heart desires lately, but you should ponder that because I want you to know like all this other stuff that we tend to crowd in our lives, it's just a shadow of the real depths that God is calling us to, this intimacy with God that God has available to us. 
Uh, Blaise Pascal said that there's a God-shaped vacuum in every single one of us. A God-shaped vacuum. And if you just picture that vacuum, like, say, like, like wanting that space filled with God and God alone. And unless God's there, it's ne- there's never satisfaction. We always think that satisfaction is going to be when we get the next big toy or the next big thing or this thing. Have you ever noticed that never really satisfies? There's a God-shaped vacuum in your soul, in your heart. You guys, don't let anything keep you from connecting with God. Nothing. Don't let anything. This world will constantly throw stuff towards you. And we try to fill that God-shaped vacuum, and it just doesn't happen in our lives, does it? It doesn't. Don't let anything keep you from connecting with God. Don't let nervousness, fear, shyness keep you from connecting with God. Parker Palmer said this, the soul is shy, just like a wild animal. It seeks safety in the dense underbrush, especially around other people. So you might be saying to yourself, am I up for baptism? Am I ready for this? Is this the perfect time? Once I go through with baptism, will I be able to live up to it? Well, let me tell you, you can't. And that's where God's grace is so good, right? Um, How will I look? What will my friends and family think or feel about this? So the question is, how do we overcome our soul shyness and fear? And... There is one way to overcome that, and that's to understand what God does with us as we take a little leap of faith. So two weeks before I got married, I went skydiving. And I went to this place in in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was um, near the end of summer. And I took some friends with, a group of us, and we said, let's go skydiving. And I went in and I said, I would like to jump out of a plane by myself. And they said, you cannot jump out of a plane by yourself, you will die. And I said, well, I want to go by myself. And they said, sorry, you can't. You are going to jump tandem, which means there's a person on your back that jumps out the plane with you. You're all connected with all these ropes and stuff. Well, guess what? tandem jumping that's it that is like every single leap of faith we ever make we never make it alone in this life i want you to know every leap of faith from the biggest to the smallest you are making that leap of faith with jesus with jesus there's always somebody with us and his name is jesus Jesus calls and takes that leap with us. And if you want to be baptized, but you're prevented by that internal response called shyness or fear, let me tell you, Jesus stands with you. When Jesus came to John at the Jordan to be immersed by him, John tried to stop Jesus. Did you guys remember this story? This is Matthew 3.13. When Jesus went from... When Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John, the Baptist, this immerser, tried to talk him out of it. I am the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry 
out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Jesus, who did not need baptism, who was one with the Father and went before us into these, went before us into these baptism waters. He doesn't, listen to this, guys. Jesus does not stand over us with all of our wrongs and regrets and sin that we've committed. He stands with them, in them, uh, under them, with us. What? Are you kidding me? That's the God we serve? So many of us, we've been, we've thought since we were little kids, God's just waiting to beat us down with a big stick as soon as we make a mistake. And here Jesus stands in the waters of baptism, willing to stand where thousands have been before and just say, you know what? I am just like this. And God, God's response was, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. There's nothing dirty or wrong or sinful. He was sinless. And yet he stands in those waters with us. That's unbelievable. Renee, she was age three. She watched a baptismal service for her very first time at church. Um, And then she asked her parents afterwards, well, why did Pastor Bob push that guy in the water? So three-year-old mind, okay, three-year-old mind. And so mom and dad tried to explain to her, like, like those people that got baptized in the water, they decided to follow Jesus. And they made that choice, and they wanted everybody to know that they are, they are going to love God and love their neighbor as best as they can, and they're going to live under God's grace. And water symbolizes your life being cleansed. And little three-year-old Renee said, well, why didn't Pastor Bob just spank them? Which is a good question, right? Well, it, it makes, it's logical for a three-year-old. Just, well, I have a question. Why doesn't Jesus just spank us? Because he wants to lead us into taking little leaps of faith with him, guys. Jesus always beckons us, calls us to take little leaps of faith with him. Jesus is standing in the baptismal waters of acknowledged regrets where multitudes have stood, and he doesn't stand in judgment over our wrongs. He stands with and in them. That's unbelievable. And when God descends, then God descends with these words of intimacy, you are my son in whom my soul delights. You guys, that's what intimacy with God by the Spirit of God looks like in Jesus' life, but in our lives as well. You hear the voice speaking to you these words, you're my son, you're my daughter in whom my soul delights. And when you get that affirmation from God, that changes everything. That's life-changing when we realize that the God of the universe delights in us. Delights in us. So what about the fire, John? Um, Does Jesus do that too? 
or is it just for us? Well, here's Luke 12, 49. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. The fire is the final trial that Jesus entered into. It's his suffering that he paid while on this earth. And humanity is a treasure he embraces as he passes through the fire to burn up all the dross that just needs to be burned away. All of it. Self-imposed, others-imposed, randomly imposed. He embraces it all for you and I. You guys, we do not make any leap or any step of faith alone. Every single leap of faith is a tandem jump. Every single one. And he's made this leap before us. He knows the drill. He is all competence, confidence, and the courage necessary. And our job, guys, is simply to hold on. Hold on to God with what God is doing. And for some of us that have never entered those baptismal waters, like this is your time. We just hold on. We take that leap of faith that will set the standard for all the other leaps of faith that God's going to call you into your whole life. For those that want to be baptized on Easter, Jesus will stand in those waters waiting for you. Favor will be given to you by the Father, just like it was given to Jesus. You will be kissed with a divine kiss that you could never, ever earn. Your past, present, future sufferings will be embraced and you will never, ever be alone in them. Jesus will walk with you through every bit of that stuff. And with this leap, this pattern for every other future leap of faith will be set no matter how big or small. So let me give you a couple practical tips today. One, so if you haven't been baptized in water, or maybe you were baptized as an infant like I was, and you want to make that decision on your own, maybe this is your time. We're going to do a baptismal service, like Josh said. In two weeks, we're going to have a baptismal tank right here. Um, And I baptized people in all kinds of different situations. Um, I've baptized people that have been unable to get into that, uh, the pool, the waters, and so we just poured water over the head. I think God honors that. And because they, they were handicapped, they couldn't get in. And so we just want to, if you haven't been baptized, maybe, just maybe this is your day. Maybe this is that day for you to take that leap of faith. Um, so sign up. Start inviting some friends or family to your baptism on Easter Sunday. Uh, if you're going to be baptized, I would encourage you to write down a signature regret that will stand for all other sins in your life. And when we baptize you, there will be a little thing up here to just let, set it on fire. So we'll burn it, that signature regret, and um, then we'll baptize you. So that's number one. So if you're here... And it, maybe, it's, maybe it's time. And the question is, what is the Spirit of God doing or calling your heart to do during this season? Okay? Number two. Um, intimacy with God feels like God saying to you, you are my son, you're my daughter, in whom my soul delights. Ask the Holy Spirit 
how do you feel about me? Because that's an amazing, really good question. God, what do you think? What do you feel about me? And give God enough space to just answer in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak loving words to your heart. Um, actually, I know we haven't done part three yet, but actually, let me do three, and then we're going to come back to this one. Okay, we're going to practice this just a little bit here. Here's number three. Use the invitation cards and invite one of your three to our Spring Fest or Good Friday or interactive stations or Easter Sunday service. Be bold and take action. So those three people, those three people that you might not know where they're at spiritually, um, by you praying for them, you'll see their heart open up. And they are, they'll be more open to coming to church with you than ever before. And so invite them. Um, did you know that if you just throw an invitation to a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, there's 75% of the public will join you if you just throw out that invitation. So sometimes we just don't, sometimes we're just not bold. So you've been praying for them. Now let's take some action. Invite them to church, okay? And so let's go back to number three. Why don't you guys stand with me? And let's do number two just for a minute. And in a minute, we're going to have our ministry team come on up. But the question is, Holy Spirit, how do you feel about me? What do you feel about me at this time in my life? And um, let me just pray, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit that question. So Holy Spirit, come. down. We want to hear your spirit, just like you affirmed Jesus in the baptismal waters 2,000 years ago. God, we want to be affirmed as your kids today. Lord, I pray that you would speak words of life and truth to us. Jesus, was told by your spirit you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Lord help us hear your spirit speaking to us Jesus we say yes spirit of God we say our prayer ministry team come and if you need some prayer we'd love to pray for you this morning yeah we'd love to pray for you um, for some of you that maybe some of you your relationship with God seems very formal and distant and I would encourage you if, if the type of intimacy that we're talking about seems foreign to you I'd encourage you to maybe get some prayer this morning um, if you maybe you're here and you had a hard time hearing anything you just come up and get some prayer um, 
because your soul needs to hear. You are my daughter in whom my soul delights. You need to hear that in the depths of your soul. That's what makes this whole thing called Christianity worthwhile when, when we hear the affirmation of the Spirit in our lives. So if that's you, come on forward, get some prayer. Or maybe you're here and you feel like you're just asleep spiritually. You need an awakening. We would love to pray for you. We pray that the breath of God would be blown clear through your soul and that you would that it would be radical transformation. Um, also, if your left ear is having problems, we'd love to pray for that. This is a word from our prayer time earlier. Or joints. Um, if you need a personal breakthrough, uh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, specifically, if you're feeling like, God, I feel like you're answering other people's big ask going into Easter, and I've seen nothing. a breakthrough we'd love to pray for that for you and the last thing is there's somebody here that you've recently acquired a scar uh, just emotionally family situation and you just need some healing and restoration and we'd love to pray for that so our prayer team's up front let's sing this song together and uh, i'll have our closing prayer in just a minute but if you need prayer prayer partners are up front we'd love to pray for you and I lean not on my 